Hello and welcome to the first episode of my podcast. My name is Brennan Neistat and today we will be covering Joe Biden's foreign policy, Trump's claims to voter fraud, COVID-19, and to end it I'm usually going to have some fun facts. And then within all this we're going to talk about media bias quite a bit. But to start off I would like to say that you will be getting a conservative point of view. This is a biased point of view. So with that said, let's get started. Okay, so on Joe Biden's foreign policy, I'm going to be referring a lot to a speech he gave in 2019, July, in New York. Right off the bat in this speech, he compares domestic policy to foreign policy, stating, I quote, that they are deeply intertwined with each other. I think that is a big, big, big problem because he's basically implying that he wants to police the entire world. And that's essentially what Obama did and somewhat what Bush did. That was a little different, but the Middle East... Let's just take them for example. When you start sanctioning other countries' economies and holding military power over them, people are going to hate us. They're simply going to hate us. I mean, how many times have you heard the Middle East hates Americans? I mean, think about it. Would you? We've been in their country for since we've been sanctioning them, at least since I believe it's 1979. We've been sanctioning them since. On top of that, since 2006... The United States have dropped over 40,000 missiles, 40,000 missiles in the Middle East. And you wonder why people in the Middle East would hate us. Oh, they just have a different way of life, you know. Yeah, their different way of life is being bombed constantly by the United States. And, you know, it's not just the United States. The Middle East has been at war for a very long time. But, you know, at the end of the day, why are we there? Because... They hate Americans, and we have to protect ourselves from a third-world country. I mean, let's just take Iran, for example. If they truly wanted to attack us, you know, let's just say we took all these sanctions off, and, like, we finally get to attack America. Think of that strategically. We would blow them off the face of the earth, just being honest. It would be a very bad thing for Iran, and I don't think they want any part in that, and I don't know why we want any part in the Middle East, but the idea that we are there for the sake of protecting ourselves, pretty much taking precautionary measures, just completely garbage. That's just completely inaccurate. And I'm just far more inclined to think this has a lot more to do with people who, first off, have a very different philosophy, as I believe Joe Biden does, along with special interest groups, but the other philosophy being that um, we simply know better. And I think that our values should not be forced on other people. The way we live should not be forced on other people. That should be for them to decide, not us. So that is why I do not take the philosophy of policing the world, even though, you know, yeah, we are a superpower and we do have the means to help other people, which I'm not against helping other people, but it's got to be, I, I, there's got to be some sort of end game. It can't just be everlasting war in the Middle East. Okay, so moving on to the rest of Joe Biden's foreign policy, one thing we can see that will, I would say, most definitely change is the relations with North Korea. Obviously, the relations with North Korea and the United States have been very good, but Joe Biden is under the impression that we should not have ever been talking to Kim Jong-un as no president has before, and quite frankly, I would probably have to agree with him. I understand Trump's philosophy that he thinks he can communicate and relate with Kim and get to a position where they both are at an understanding and he stops his nuclear testing. But I, the, the problem is he's not reasoning with somebody like me or you. He's not reasoning 
with a civil human being. He's reasoning with a tyrannical dictator. And in this instance, I'm going to have to agree with Joe Biden. I don't, no president before Trump has done it. Uh, the effort is understood, but I, I just do not think we should be giving him that sort of platform. I do not think that anything was ever going to change. Nothing really has changed. Maybe some minor things that he's came back on. But besides that, there's been no real gains in the North Korea, Kim Jong-un, Trump relationship. So honestly, I could say pretty much with 100% certainty that talks with North Korea will go completely out of the window once Biden takes office. So for my final chapter on Biden's foreign policy, we're going to cover tariffs and how he's going to handle the tariffs that Trump has imposed. And to start out, just to look at Joe Biden's website, this is what it says on tariffs. It says, America's farmers and rural communities have paid a heavy price for President Trump's tariffs while Trump is pursuing a damaging and erratic trade war without any strategy. President Biden will stand up to China by working with our allies to negotiate from the strongest possible position. And he'll make sure our trade policy works for American farmers as the U.S. takes steps to make domestic polluters bear the full cost of their carbon pollution. The Biden administration will impose carbon tariffs, fees, or quotas on carbon-intensive goods from countries that are failing to meet their climate and environmental obligations. So with the exception of Biden adding a carbon tariff, really the plan is exactly the same. He says that he's going to try to unite other countries to also impose tariffs on China, but was Trump planning on doing anything different? It seems like they essentially have the exact same plan, that these tariffs were not supposed to be permanent. It was simply a vehicle to get China to play fair. And honestly, how do you think it's going to go over with the far left or even the center left at this point when Biden wants to remove tariffs, when he wants to remove a carbon tariff. I don't see that happening anytime in a Biden presidency. I think that we're going to have tariffs throughout his entire presidency at the very least, even if China decides to negotiate something. I don't see him ever really dropping those tariffs. So that is why I think tariffs are going to be a thing for a very long time at this point, because I think Biden will upset some of his base with dropping those tariffs. Now, if we go off what Biden says he's going to do is that he's eventually going to get rid of these tariffs, which really I think the reason he's saying he wants to get rid of them is simply because Trump was the one that imposed them. If he goes off the plan that he is presenting, then what's supposed to happen is exactly what Trump was going to do, but he can't say that. He can't come out and say that. The other avenue is he's not going to shake his base. He's not going to do that, and he's going to just keep the tariffs for the next four years and that I think is the most likely scenario. Okay so that concludes my segment on foreign policy so now we are going to be moving on to media bias also talking about Trump's claims to alleged voter fraud. On to President Trump's alleged voter fraud. So I'd like to start by saying that right out of the gate the coverage on this has been terrible. So I'm not saying there is or is not voter fraud because that is inconclusive and there will be court cases upon court cases that will go down that will prove all of this either accurate or inaccurate. But I would just like to say that let's just take Sidney Powell, for example. She filed two court cases in Georgia. Twitter banned the link to these court cases, just the link to the suits themselves, not even saying that they weren't, the suit is not saying that 
there is or is not voter fraud. It is simply saying we think this happened, we want to bring it to court, and we want to come to a conclusion, and they banned the public from viewing this. Just let's let's just think about that for a second. Let's rewind four years. Four years ago, up into current day, actually, I believe that the media still believes that Trump colluded with Russia and he rigged the election. Yet now, this election was supposed to be the safest election we've ever had. I, you've probably heard that over and over and over again, and it's probably railed into your head because the second you even say, hey, wait a minute, that's kind of weird. You're a conspiracy theorist. That's impossible. Let's also, I mean, PBS did an entire documentary on these Dominion voting systems and how easily they are to hack. And we could even rewind to 2018. Rachel Maddow specifically talked on Dominion voting systems and how terrible they are. That was 2018. That was just two years ago. Not even. And, and now Trump's just a crybaby and he's whining because he lost and you just can't believe it. And this is the safest election we've ever had. That's what you'll get from Rachel Maddow now. She is as contradictory as they come. But let's just look at the actual alleged claims to voter fraud rather than laughing this off as the rest of the media does and assess it for ourselves. And some of these things, they do raise red flags. So to start, Donald Trump overperformed in almost every single state. He overperformed with minorities. He overperformed with women. He actually lost votes with white men. So the only places that Donald Trump did not overperform was Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona. And in some of those places, you see 90% voter turnout, where previously 70% voter turnout is extremely high uh, if you go off previous elections. So the idea that potentially there was voter fraud is not entirely insane. I mean, let's just take, for example, Biden won 477 counties. Obama won 689 counties. And Biden got 13 million more votes. Obama won 212 more counties and got 13 million less votes. Yet, if you question that, you're ridiculous. And my favorite one, you don't agree with the facts. We have the facts and you don't agree with them. That's my favorite argument by the mainstream media. You don't agree with the facts. We have the facts. And if you have a different opinion, that's, you just don't agree with the facts. Facts, 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 fact check, fact, fact, fact check, fact check, fact check, fact, fact check. And just like that, boom, I'm ready to start on a major news network. <laughs> oh, it's so ridiculous. All right, moving on to the most recent claim of voter fraud. Trump yesterday posted a video on Twitter of essentially what they described in the video he posted is this lady polling uh, a big black table in after they had kicked everybody out of the vote counting area and she was pulling suitcases worth of ballots out from underneath the table. So they actually released a statement about this saying the state investigator told lead stories that partisan election observers were never told to leave the counting room on election night but instead left voluntarily after some staff members went home. And although Democratic and Republican observers are allowed to watch vote counting in Georgia. They are not required to be present. And right around this time, what you're going to get is everybody on the left immediately jumping to the conclusion that this is a bunch of 
bull and they're going to believe that statement right there and what you're going to get on the right is the exact opposite people jumping to the conclusion that this will fit their narrative and oh yeah there was voter fraud and i think it's very important that we all be patient let the legal system do its thing as it did with russia turns out it was all them the whole time we will learn we will find out just be patient don't jump to conclusions and we will find out so my piece of advice through this entire investigation on voter fraud is be patient. Don't jump to conclusions until you have the evidence on everything. Sit back and line all these things up individually and see what makes sense and what does not. Some of it does, some of it does not. So what you need to do is not take a broad stance where everything is voter fraud. Don't take a broad stance where everything is not voter fraud because I think there are some things in here that raise a lot of red flags and you just need to be honest with yourself and form an opinion for yourself. Don't listen to the media. That is my general rule of thumb is just simply do not listen to them. They are corrupt and crooked. Just look at statistics, look at what is being presented, and make your own opinion. And don't listen to people like AOC who are under the impression that the Republicans took the House. So we will get to that later, but up next, moving on to COVID-19 restrictions. Let me just say that the media have grossly misinformed you on this. So to start out, you could look up to December 4th, 2020, the death rate by state per 100 people. These are the rankings. This is how they go. You have New Jersey first, New York second, Massachusetts third, Connecticut fourth, and Louisiana fifth. So to make this a red or blue thing to where the red states who are opening all back up are they're doing it wrong and then the blue states that are closing down are doing it right is just not true as of right now if you take a look at illinois and then you take a look at florida where illinois they've you know the media has essentially been kissing their ass because they've shut everything down yet death tolls are rising through the roof and then you go down and look at florida right now where death tolls are going way down there's more evidence to suggest that in Florida right now, it's a decent time to be outside. It's not terribly cold, but then you go over to Illinois and people want to be inside in the heat, you know, in more crowded areas where infection rates are going to be a lot higher. The idea that full-fledged shutdowns are the key, as the left has imposed this entire time, along with Biden, is just, there's, it's, it's anti-evidence. There's no, nothing to support that. Actually, even the mask mandates are, there's varying data. And, you know, they do help in short periods of time when you're indoors yes I, in close quarters there is evidence to suggest that they help but you know it is also proven that particles get through those masks and in the longer amount of time that you're in one of those enclosed areas the less effectiveness they actually have so the idea that a federal mask mandate along with a full-fledged shutdown is going to fix this is like i said previously entirely anti-data and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense so if Biden's plan is to shut everything down, as it was in the beginning of all this, there is no evidence to suggest that work. That is when the death tolls in New York were the highest. And I'm not saying I'm against taking precautions on the coronavirus. I think that we should, but people are also losing their livelihood. They're losing their small businesses, and that's just not okay, especially when the data su does not suggest that that's what we should do. I mean, seriously, there is absolutely no evidence to suggest that outdoor dining is something that's causing the spread of this. Even closing down schools, for instance, there is absolutely no data that kids are spreading this the way that adults are. And then take college campuses, for example. Wouldn't it, they sent all these kids home, but wouldn't it make a lot more sense to leave them all there with people that are around their same age 
and not send them home to their families who are older, their, you know, their parents, their grandparents. And when these campuses did send them home, there is evidence to suggest that we saw a big spike around that time. And it's because you take all these kids that are partying, drinking, doing whatever, and you disperse all these kids who have been passing around this virus to, like I said, older generations, their parents, their grandparents. And of course you're going to see a spike. I just think this whole thing has been mismanaged in a bad way because back to the small businesses, you're telling me that, you know, the, the, the diner up the street has to close down because they can't take the proper precautions, but Walmart has a 300-person capacity. And the left, this is the reason that they are no longer the party of the working man. You have a situation where these small businesses are being shut down. And places like Walmart, Amazon, do you think they care about the pandemic? Home Depot? Like I said, they have they, you can have 300 people in Walmart at a time. Those top 1% of business owners, they have netted $1 trillion throughout this pandemic. This has not put a damper on what they're doing one bit, but places are, places, you know, small business, it's getting shut down. The things that, they, that the left say they work to protect, yet they are willing to suffocate these small businesses for the sake of of shutting everything down, which again has no evidence to suggest is the leading cause of this spread of the virus. And personally, as to me, it is not the government to decide if a business needs to shut down or not. So how about this? If you don't like how a business is operating due to you think maybe you think that they are not taking the proper precautions to be safe in terms of COVID, then don't go to that restaurant. Don't go to that store. You know, that is the way that these places are going to take precautions at their own uh, integrity. Because if people are not going in there and people are not giving them business, then they're going to do that. But if they are, guess what? It means people are willing to take that risk, and that's a risk that people should be able to decide on their own. And also, I think the reason that uh, this federal shutdown is something that the media has wanted for so long, along with Biden, I think it was a really good talking point as to what Trump didn't do and there was an election coming up. And let me just say, am I surprised that the media have pushed this narrative at the expense of people's businesses, people's livelihood? No. Instead, they pushed the idea that the reason that so many people have died in this country due to COVID is because Trump handled it wrong. And, you know, let's, let's just take, for instance, when he put a travel ban on China in the beginning of all this, he was told that it was racist, and it was messed up, and isn't that the first thing you'd want to do is put a ban on the country that the virus originated from, along with the fact that they've lied about the numbers of COVID cases they've had this entire time? I think it was a necessary precaution, but none of that matters. You didn't hear any side of it in that sense. It, it, none of it matters. It was all about if Trump did it, it was wrong. Just like earlier when I was talking about foreign policy, Trump and Biden's plan are pretty similar according to what Biden has laid out because he said that he was going to get rid of these tariffs but odds are that's not going to happen but he had to say it because Trump was doing one thing and he had to be doing the other thing which was the right thing according to you know the his warriors which is CNN MSNBC Rachel Maddow yada 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 so to conclude not surprised at all the media is willing to put people's lives their jobs at stake for the sake of putting their candidate in office. And it was just another smear tactic, and I fully, 100% believe that, because there are precautions that we should be taking. And that's another thing. As soon as you say we shouldn't shut down, suddenly 
you don't care about the virus and you think it's fake. I don't know where that came from, the fact that people just think the virus is literally fake. I mean, people have died from this. I don't think anybody thinks the virus is fake. And if you do, do not put that as the mainstream conservative viewpoint because it is not in the slightest bit. If you listen to anybody credible, what I've heard is be safe, be smart, make your own decisions, and don't ruin people's lives. That seems like the way to go for this pandemic, and that will conclude my topic of coronavirus for now. So moving on to my final piece that will end probably every episode I do is uh, just some fun stuff you gotta hear. I mean, you gotta hear it. So the Daily Beast posted an article. If you thought that the media wasn't covering what they need to cover and that it is all turning into a big circus, boy, were you wrong. Because the Daily Beast posted an article reporting on Joe Biden's dogs. Not only did they report on his dogs, but they brought in a dog psychic to give you all the information you need to know on Joe Biden's dogs and what they think of him. I mean, seriously, you should check this out. So I've got some quotes here from this crazy dog lady. This lady said, this is what this lady says that Joe Biden's dogs were telling her. She says that these dogs expressed to her that they're treated like royalty, they said to me. We have the best of everything. He treats us as equals. I surely assume that Joe Biden's dogs sit at the dinner table with him. Also, she said, they said, he is also very open-minded. They said he will lead the USA in a very different way to what you have seen before. They believe that crime will be reduced under him and that he will be anxious to talk to countries about peaceful resolutions to conflict. Do we really want to rather assume that this lady's absolutely nuts, just assume that Joe Biden's dogs actually think about foreign policy and reducing crime? I, I, let's, I, I think that's more realistic than this lady is just absolutely insane. So to recap, reporters at the Daily Beast did this entire article, thousands of words, on Joe Biden's dog, read the whole thing, and decided, yep, this lady's sane. This all makes sense. Wow, what, what, a, what a time we live in. All right, the next piece of this final chapter that I will love so much week after week is AOC releasing a clothing line with my favorite piece is a sweatshirt that she is selling for $65. Let's just start with that. A sweatshirt for $65. Okay, and then on top of that, um, on it, it says tax the rich, which is interesting because I don't really know any poor people who are going to buy a sweatshirt for $65. So you're kind of attacking your target market there. So yeah, and then I made a tweet about it and Twitter told me I was banned for three days. That seems a little excessive. I have not heard of anything like that. Maybe it has something to do with something else I did, but it's the only tweet I made, and I'm not really sure why I'm banned from Twitter, but that is what it is, and bravo AOC on your new clothing line. Congratulations. Okay, and for the last one, I'm going to have to take one last dig at AOC. This was early November. I'm just going to go ahead and play the video of this interview AOC did where she most literally thinks that the Democrats lost the House. So I'm just going to go ahead and play that 30, roughly 30 seconds of video for you. I'm in your district in Elm, East Elmhurst, and I have a general question about the House. 
And why did we lose so many seats and what needs to be done to get them back next term? So, you know, of course, um, the loss of the House majority is just extraordinarily upsetting to all of us. Um, it's upsetting to all of us who, who are invested in having a Democratic majority uh, so that we can expand health care so that we <laughs> Oh, boy. That, that's, that's gold. That's pure gold. All right, so thank you for watching the first podcast of the BSTAT chat. If you have any ideas that you'd like me to talk about, go to my Twitter handle, which is capital N, lowercase e-i-s-t-a-t, uppercase b, lowercase r-e-n-d-e-n. And then just in case I am banned on Twitter, which is not entirely impossible saying that it's happened twice now, my uh, handle on Parler is at capital B, lowercase r-e-n-d-e-n, n-e-i-s-t-a-t. Thanks for listening, and if, again, if you have any ideas, tweet at me, shoot me a message on Parler, whatever, and let me know what you'd like to hear. Thank you.